Hi, Sam. Hi, Jack. How you doing, mate? You all right? Good, mate. You? Yeah, really good, buddy. Who have we got coming on the show today? We've got Nick coming on, Dad in Recovery. Um, yeah. Our previous episode, go back and listen, Vic was... Um, she she said she got into rehab because she followed a bloke on Instagram. Um, she told us his name. As soon as that that podcast was over, I, I looked on my Instagram and realised we were following each other. So I reached out to him and I messaged him and said, um, "Would you like to come on the podcast?" Yes. And he said yes, and, and that's why we're here. His name on Instagram for anyone that wants to um, follow him is Dad in Recovery, and his name is Nick. Yeah. Um, and what, I've had what an inspiration, huh? Just unbelievable episode, inspirational, full of wisdom. Um, I, I like, like I was saying to you off, off um, record, I didn't do as much research as I normally do because I just thought, just play the, the episode out. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't really know what to expect, but I had this sneaky suspicion that it was going to be good uh, and it was better than I thought it was going to be. It was a roller coaster. And an amazing story, but full of um, wisdom. Full of wisdom. Truly a really, really good episode. Um, so, uh, as always, like and subscribe, YouTube and Spotify. Uh, I am Jackie Boy Shep on Instagram. Sam is... I am... Uh... <laughs> there, underscore two, underscore pip. Why? <laughs> I'm going to start writing it. <laughs> Um, yeah, like and subscribe, YouTube, Spotify, Dare to Dip on Facebook, all the good stuff. We're up to 46 episodes now. Um, yeah. They've been great. We've got some real bangers in the in the pipeline. And um, yeah. We've got some good ones coming up as well, Jackie boy. Certainly you wait. So, you uh, wait and see. Shut up. Please enjoy the episode <laughs> with Nick Con. Um, Sam, do you want to sign us off? Peace out. <laughs> yeah I figured out how to do zoom sam it's great yeah well i'm still i'm still you're still on the side like this but hey i don't need to look at you anyway do i shut up, shut up sam hello hi guys hello mate how you doing how are you thank you for joining us pleasure thanks for the invite no worries yeah. mate. Um, we we had a guest on the, the last time, Vicky, and we got speaking. And she uh, she brought you up in the podcast, and and she just said that you're the reason she ended up going into rehab. And I've known her for a while now, and she's doing really well. And and I thought it was very inspirational, mate. So I thought I'd ask what, you. I caused her addiction, or I helped on the other side. <laughs> no, you helped on the other side. <laughs> I think that's what she meant. Yeah, <laughs> I think that that yeah. You know, you're right. That is what she meant. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it'd be good for you to come on and just tell our viewers your story, if, if you would, mate. Yeah. 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 No, but, well, I took a line of coke, ended up homeless, and that's the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Great show. Really enjoyed being on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my story's slightly unusual, I probably would say. Um, so... I suffered with low self-esteem and insecurity. Um, and I've probably suffered with that most of my life. Um, and ultimately, I went into the police. I became a police officer. And when I passed 
my medical, which is the drug tests and everything like that, I was introduced to cocaine to celebrate my entrance into the police. So, um, see, so yeah, I took cocaine. When I took cocaine for the first time, that feeling of low self-esteem and insecurity, it just went. And it was replaced with this kind of feeling that I'd searched for, let's say, my whole life. Um, it was this overwhelming euphoria. I spent a lot of money chasing that, that feeling. Um, so, yeah, as time went on, I think, you know, what I didn't know is I had un undiagnosed ADHD. So when you're when you're training for the police, you, you live there for 18 weeks, and every week you've got to score over 80% where you're at. Um, and you have to learn the law and, and try to remember everything and learn it all. It was it, it was bloody difficult. Um, so I was sort of falling asleep, and then I thought to myself, you know what? Let's get some Charlie. And uh, all of a sudden, I was retaining it all. I was getting 96%. You know, it was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And it was working. So things were good. You know, that's a long short of it. Things were good. I was on good money at a young age, and there were no consequences. So why would I stop? You know, so... And as time went on, um, got myself into a little bit of drama and I had to leave the police after a few years. Um, there was very, quite a few close encounters, let's say. Um, one in particular was I was doing a line in the police toilets and a call came over the radio. I think it was like a traffic warden that was being attacked which usually you probably ignore, but you know, you have to, you have to, you have to do these things. <laughs> uh, um, so we shot out, we jumped in the car, blue lights on, siren, and I realized I'd left my cocaine, my credit card, and my rolled up fiver on the toilet seat. So automatically, like my stomach's dropped and I made up an excuse to my colleague that I've got to turn around and, and, and get back there. And he said, well, why? And I said, because I I didn't replenish my CS spray. I just made up an excuse. So I said, I've got to go back. So I spun the car around, went back, and um, literally as I walked, ran into the toilet cubicle that I was in, it was on there, grabbed it. And as I walked out of that cubicle, my inspector walked in. Mm. So it was literally like seconds um mm. so there was lots of kind of close encounters but but coming it short i had i had to leave after a little while um and i did a kind of variety of kind of different jobs here and there and mundane jobs and, and things like that and the debts were building up and the credit cards were building up and i thought well if i can get away from here then the problem will go but as you're aware, where we go, our head goes with us, and that's where the problem is. So off I went to Austria, to the middle of the Tyrolean mountains to teach snowboarding for a season. And got that's a hell of a change. A bit of a change, right? Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, if I get into the mountains, you know, there won't be any gear there. You know what we're like. We're like moths to a flame we can spot it a mile away. yeah 
Um, so I found the dealer very quickly and, and it, it wasn't as bad when I was out there, but there were still elements of drama that I was causing. Mm. So the season ended, came back, got into a bit of drama. One of the dealers caught up with me, got caught on the knife, but uh, on the neck with a knife there. Um, and then I had to do another geographical and I went for a job with a company called MRI, which turns out they were a scam company. Um, and they train you in Marbella and then they put you in the country that they feel you're most suited. Mm. So some people got the Caribbean, some people got Mexico, some people got, you know, Turkey, Morocco. I got Berlin. Mm -hmm. um, and cutting a whole long story short, I got involved with Albanians and ended up drug running. Um, and that is cutting a, a whole story short. And it started with basically, can you take do us a favour and take these women? Bro brothels out there are completely legal. Um, mm. So there's lots of them. And they said, Nick, can you take the woman, uh, women from this brothel to that one because this one's quieter and the other one's busier. So, you know, so you end up doing bits like that. And they give you cocaine. And um, all of this cocaine that I was being given, which probably mounted up to about eight grams a day, um, which I thought was for doing jobs here and there. Yeah. Um, wasn't. It, it was it was a debt. Um, so at a later point, I, I got fired from my job. Um, and pretty much, I think the same day, day after they called in that debt, which was, I th it was about 15 or 20,000 euros. And these people weren't the type of people that you could sort of do payment plans with and, mm. and that sort of thing. So, <clears throat> and, and also back then, you didn't have FaceTime, you didn't have Skype. So I was kind of telling my family how well I was doing because I wanted them to be proud of me. But in fact, there was a wreck. Um, so I ended up going to um, an area called Charlottenburg, which is the equivalent of Knightsbridge. Mm. And it, it, all the shops were shut. And I sat in the door with a coochie, darling. Um, <laughs> <travel> <laughs> um, and I didn't leave. I didn't leave that doorway um, for a few weeks. And it was towards the end of that, I remember these three German guys were coming back drunk one night and they they were, one went to, to piss on me and I hit him, hit him in the balls and they kicked the daylights out of me. And I remember I woke up that next day, I was covered in blood. I thought, That's, I'm done. What, what has my life become? So... Um, I remember I called my family and I explained to them that I've got Albanians after me. I've, I've got a big drug problem and um, I'm homeless. Mm. And they, they, were, they were amazing. And they said, go, go to a hotel and get, get them to call me when you're there. So I went to the hotel Adlon where Michael Jackson hanged his child over the balcony. Oh, yeah. Um, Good hotel. Not if you're a child. Had the longest shower of my life uh, and flown back the next day. And 
And I remember we were trying to get them into rehab and trying to get the NHS funding. It, it, it's a it, it's a nightmare. And the only if, if you ask anyone name a rehab, the only one they know of is the Priory. And unless you've got sort of 25, 30 grand, you're not you're not going in. So we didn't know where to go, what to do. And anyway, it was only for a friend of the families that um, I managed to get in somewhere that was affordable. And then I think in my first year of recovery, I kind of looked into it and I thought, well, how many other people have no idea where to go, what to do? And I just started researching, uh, looking at what rehabs cost, what psychotherapeutic modalities they use, what drugs they detox for, what, where, where they're located, what CQC ratings they have. Um, not really as a business, just really just for knowledge. And I became quite passionate about finding out about it. And um, that's grown to become, I set that up with 46 pounds, mm. um, which ironically, I paid a schizophrenic guy who was an alcoholic. He drank because it stopped the voices um, that he would get, which is quite common uh, in mm. diagnosis. Um, so, and he, he was a web designer um, and I bought him 46 pounds worth of beer and he built my website. Um, and now sort of 12 years on, it's now one of the largest addiction advisory services in the country. That's um, incredible. And, and right. that's, um, yeah, so it's come a long way and it's, um, we help, I mean, God knows, how, I don't even know how many people we help every year, but it's in the thousands and that's what we do. That is incredible, mate. And what a, what a transformation. You've gone from one extreme to another, to a to background again, from, from working as a policeman, being a hero. Then you essentially went into a criminal lifestyle um, and obviously it escalated into a chaos and now you've gone back around to being a hero again you don't do things by half do you <laughs> i mean i did mate <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um that's the first time i've been speechless listening to someone i normally butt in but i, I couldn't I, I didn't really know what to expect from your story if i'm honest mate um i normally find out a bit more about the guests but your name popped up i noticed i was following you and i thought i would message you and i thought it'd be nice to do a podcast without digging too deep and finding out and and wow I'm, that's that story is incredible and very inspirational yeah, it's slightly different and it's and this is the thing i say to people you know people assume that addicts come from council estates and you know the fact is regardless what where they come from they're still human and we're yeah. susceptible and I don't come from a bad background. Um, mm. I don't have trauma. Yeah, um, that's not my story. Um, yeah, you, you know, and and it can happen to anyone. Yeah, it is so important. That is such an important message, and that's why I constantly say I'm an addict, and because people there's still a, a big stigma around that, and people assume it's just someone sitting on a bench with a needle in their arm or something which is a form of addict as well but it could be someone sat on a sofa with a can of beer there there's there's no dif difference there it's an illness and it can happen to anyone and it's important to try and break that stigma and say look i'm an addict it, it, like it's not just with alcohol drink and drugs if i open a packet of 
hobnobs. I can, I'll eat the whole lot. It's something that's in me, you know. It's um, and it's nothing to be ashamed. Well, I can laugh. Of. I can laugh about it now because it it still comes out in so many different ways. Like anyone that knows me well knows anything DIY related. Don't don't call me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely useless, right? But in my head, I'm a genius. <laughs> like in my head, I've got this stuff cracked. And my wife asked me to put a shelving unit up, and um, but I didn't have any of the equipment. So I thought, no, but I've got this. You know, trying to act all big and macho. <laughs> and I bought a thousand-piece kind of screw set. I bought a top drill, a laser level. Who even knows you need? Who even need that, right? Available. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't put it up. I got <laughs> I got someone to come do it. Um, <laughs> but this is where my addiction comes out. Still, you know, yeah. I've got to go all guns blazing. But I can laugh about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, we're, we're very similar. I think I think all addicts are in a way, though, aren't they? And your story is so so similar to mine. Um, Apart from I was never a copper, I was always running away from him. So, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. how long have you been without a drug now? Then fourteen years now. That's wow. incredible. Did, did yeah. was it just cocaine you had a problem with? Cocaine was the main one. I think obviously the other bits and bobs you try to kind of balance it out. You know, smoke weed or have a drink, but they were never, they were never really. It, mm. It's the cocaine. Um, yeah, that that really got me. I say I never did drugs. Drugs did me. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, that's important. I wanted to ask, what, what were you guys using? Me, I was cocaine. Um, but Jack, Jack comes on the podcast. He he didn't have an addiction, but he's um, had mental health problems, so he does it for that side of things. But me, yeah, cocaine and and drink really. But in all honesty, I'd have used anything. Else one point when I was at my lowest it was only the things that I was used to as well as using them but I was just trying to escape reality you know that's what it that's what it was for me yeah how how how, um how's your mental health now in comparison Jack to where it was at oh I mean it's a I'd describe it as a daily thing that's that's something I have to keep in check but what I would say is where I'm at now is I'm a lot more self-aware um through a series of massive dips that i've had in my life and there's you know three that really sort of stand out um but through getting through them i then became more self-aware and i opened up more avenues for support for myself and sort of things that i can identify as my kind of go-tos for um outlets if if you will um so for for me um yes i you know I, i would never say that i'm um I'm all good. I'm great. I'm a, I mean, I have moments where I'm really good and I still have days when I'm really down, but I'm, I'm just a lot more self-aware, you know? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. What, what do you think your reason, reasons for picking up the cocaine were for then? Do, was that, were your mental health was down and, and out or? Well, it was a good weight loss technique. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was the low self-esteem and insecurity. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> For, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely that. Um, but I think with these things, a lot of the time, you know, there's so many different theories behind addiction. Mm. Um, my, my theory, and 
I'm in this WhatsApp group with some some professors and consultant psychiatrists from all over the, the world. <clears throat> and I explain my theory to them. And, I, and what I think is, I think we're born with a deficiency in dopamine. Mm. So when people have sex, go skydiving, do something which will release dopamine. And yeah. we don't have as much dopamine release. So we don't get that feeling that other people do. Mm. When we take a drug that floods our brain with dopamine, we get that feeling. Now, a mammal in the wild will desert its offspring to get dopamine. Mm. So I don't, I don't think that we're too different there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting. And like I said, if they had it, if they knew what it was and they nailed it, then there wouldn't be addicts anymore, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's um, interesting because you said you got ADHD as well, didn't you? And that, and that, and that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that, that's a, um, all to do with dopamine. You're always chasing a dopamine fix, aren't you? Do you think that is a, a, a... Do you think a lot of addicts are undiagnosed ADHD? So what's quite... I had this conversation with, with someone else. I think a lot of the time, I would say addicts, stimulant addicts, right? Ones that go for the uppers, right? Cocaine, things like that. I I think there's a lot of evidence there, neurodiversity in relation with, with addiction. Um, so I, I, I which is why they treat ADHD with a stimulant. You know, they yeah. treat amphetamine. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think there's definitely a connection there. And I think also a lot of people with ADHD lose a lot of self-esteem because mm. you you can start to think that you're stupid. Mm. And, and the fact is, we're not. Um, we're just... You, you, you so, so with me, anyway, I, I play on that sometimes. And and, and I'll, I'll play the clown because I start overthinking and thinking, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I'll go, oh, typically me, I can't do it. But, you know, and the, that's and something... The, and that... the fact is, I don't look at it as a disability. I look at it as a superpower. Because... Because the fact is, if there's something that you're really interested in, you will be complete hyper-focused, tunnel vision. You are, nothing can distract you. You are completely focused. And that is something that many people can't do. Yeah. That's why I'm not that's interested. Why I take the cooking so much. If I was working on a recipe, the rest of the world disappears. It's the only time my mind really slows down. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, but if I asked you to <clears throat> learn about, I don't know, the solar system or, or, or the mechanics of a car, I don't know, something that perhaps that you're not so interested in, but you're doing it because you have to, it's going to be really hard for you. Yeah. As it would be for me. Yeah, zone out when you, and you lose focus. So I'm like that when I'm reading or listening to audio books and that. I, before I know it, it's, I've... I've read the page, but I've, my mind's thought about 10 different things and I haven't took any of it in. Do you get that? Do you know? Massively. I mean, I've written two books. Well, I've had ghostwriters write them. First mm. book, 
I still haven't read. <laughs> right, <Yeah. my> <laughs> right. And, the, and the second book, because back, back then when we did the first book, there was a fashion about short, sharp reads, you know, yeah. so it was quite to the point and what have you. So the second book, the ghostwriter sent over to me six months ago. And mm. she keeps chasing me, well, have you got any edits? I just, I start reading it, I get bored, I get distracted. Um, yeah. And it just takes me, which is why I don't read. Um, mm. And you find ways of doing things and finding things that, that you can capture your attention. And it's about trial and error. Um, yeah. Do you, um, and you don't have to answer this, but do, do you, take medication for it because i know that can be for an addict a bit ropey if i got offered medication for adhd i don't think i'd i'd be scared to take it personally good you know? question so i i tr so i got prescribed dexamphetamine um yeah. which is i'd say certainly not the first protocol that a psychiatrist would go to right they usually try sort of two or three or four first before they get to dexamphetamine um now for me i don't know whether it's that my tolerance to stimulants is really high mm. but when i took it i felt like i was back on a cocaine come down mm. which is impossible to concentrate on right yeah. so that i really didn't like that feeling and I, i'm never going to chase that feeling because I hated it. Mm. But what my head does is, well, take more, you know, to get out of that come down stage. And the minute my head did that, I thought, well, yeah, yeah. that's not going to be. So for me, um, no, I don't medicate it. Um, yeah. I've actually just tried, tried. Uh, I want a vitamin at the moment, this new vitamin called Heights, mm -hmm. uh, which... Um, is is all so it's a natural vitamin like you take vitamin c or anything but it's it's all to do with the um um the gut to um the brain right and um i've actually started noticing a bit of a difference by two minutes really? on that so and it's a lot of it's on the brain yeah what's so, it called again that vitamin it's called heights. 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 The guy that's behind it. Sorry. There's other things like lion's mane that I've read. No, um, no. Lion's mane's meant to be quite good for it and stuff as well. Um, yeah, I, think, I think there's a bit of a delay going on at the minute. I don't know what's happened there. But... That's all right. It's just two people with ADHD talking, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's exactly what it is. I'm just thinking you guys want the roll. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, there's things like lion's mane and stuff like that that I've heard is meant to be quite quite good for it. But it's interesting what you said about um the the gut and the mind. The gut and the mind are very um connected, aren't they? And yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a there's a vitamin I was I've been taking. I can't remember what it's called now, but um. It's all like natural plants and it has got no sugar or nothing in it. And you just drop it in a bit of water and um, drink it. I'll, I'll get Jack to put, put it up what it is. But I've noticed that's a massive help for me. What are you laughing at, Jack? <laughs> but that's helped me so much because you sort out your gut and everything and it sorts out the rest, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. 
Supposedly. Um, so, but no, I've, I've I've been I've been seeing seeing a few benefits from it. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. Um, but also, it's the areas that you're struggling. You, you know, there's lots of good coaches out there that coach with people with ADHD. So if it's you know, organisation is quite a big thing for for people with ADHD. So yeah. sometimes it's asking for help for someone to maybe put a system in place, an organizational system on your computer, file mm. system, something, you know, because we, I think we struggle to, to think like that. So yeah. if there's someone to help you, and that's, that's what it comes down to, right? Asking for help. Yeah, definitely. Which leads me to our next question, because um, you said you suffer with self uh, low self-esteem and confidence issues I'm nearly 18 months in and I that's the two things I still struggle with sometimes how long did that take for that to leave or do you still struggle with it so for me I'll teach you my little geeky secret right yeah. so for me I find that our minds when we wake up go straight to what we don't have um, rather than what we do have. So my wife ignores me now, but when I wake up, my morning routine, go downstairs, feed the dog, let the dog out, make the wife her coffee, make the kids their milk, come upstairs, have a shower, get dressed, you know. So it, it, and throughout that whole process, I'm listing out aloud what I'm grateful for. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I literally list everything. And what I find that does is it just switches my thinking to being more positive. Um, yeah. And that's really helped me. And the fact, you know, I'm, I, when I came into recovery, I was single, single and happy. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know now I'm married yeah, well, we might be single around that yeah <laughs> um, but no, now so now I'm, I'm not so concerned about how I look um you know because I'm I'm happily married and I've got kids and, and what have you so um I suppose I'm more focused now on making sure my heart's okay and doing a bit of exercise to get that going and things like that yeah um so I suppose where where I was when I was sort of 26 and 41 now, so whenever I came to recovery, you know, to where I'm now, it's it's a very different life for me. Yeah. Um, so, but we are very quick to, and the fact is, one thing I found is, you know, we bump into someone in the street and you start talking to them, someone that you haven't seen for a while, we automatically become quite self conscious. Yeah right and I, but they don't know that mm. right so i find by i got into a stage where i was looking into i, I really enjoyed profiling um i went for a stage of watching criminal minds and it, on on netflix and it's all about profiling um mm. little, you know little gestures movements people make with their hands eyes things like that um, and I started looking into that quite a bit more. And what I find is when I start 
really trying to read what people are saying, it takes it away from me worrying about how I look or how I'm standing because I'm yeah. so focused on them and what yeah. they're presenting. Um, so there's little things like that that I found that have really helped. That's so interesting you say that. I noticed I, even earlier, so I was talking to someone and I said something and halfway through me saying it, their facial expression changed and it made me lose my track of thought because I was so worried about what they were saying and how I was standing and what that facial expression meant. <laughs> it's mad. <laughs> and this is why fellowship's so important. You know, I've, you've probably heard the, the, the experiment that, that was done called Rat Park. I don't know if you heard that. No, I haven't, no. So there was a big experiment which was done where they put a rat in a cage mm. and they put two bottles of water in, one which was infused with cocaine. Oh, yeah. And the other that was just water, right? So the rat that's in the cage by itself tried both bottles of water, but it only went back to the one with cocaine in it. Mm. So then they repeated the experiment where they put this rat in what they called rat park with all of his friends, spinny wheels, tubes, the whole lot, really cool place, and put both bottles of water in. Now, all of the rats tried both bottles of water, but all of the rats only went back to the one without the cocaine. So right. what they came to realise is the opposite to addiction is connection. Mm. Now, when I explain to people about the fellowship, and they say about, oh, they hear the word God and this, that, and the other, and okay, I think that's a fault in the fellowship because it, although we, we know that it's nothing about religion, yeah. for a newcomer that's just coming in and they start hearing that, it could be quite overwhelming. Mm. <clears throat> but as, 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 as important as it is working the, the steps, it's everything else that comes around. For me, it was going for the coffee with people after a meeting, going yeah. out for get a dinner with them after going to the world conventions, you know, these things that I found were fundamental. Yeah. That, that support, because as we, we don't know each other, but we <clears> share the same head and we've just experienced that in this podcast. Yeah, so it makes you feel like you, yeah, that you know each other. It feels, it feels like you're speaking to someone you've known for ages, doesn't it? And you're so right as well. We, I've learned so much in in my recovery like at, at a convention on a break i've learned a lot do you know what i mean you it's all it's always you're always learning when you're around people that are all out looking for the same answers aren't you you always come away with a load of knowledge even just this podcast now the the knowledge that you've given me today is incredible and it, and it and it's learning each day and that's part of the growth and part of keep getting better isn't it absolutely yeah. That's the thing we could we can be taught nowadays. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, mate. Jack, do you want to try and get a word in? Something <laughs> <laughs> I need to, Sam. I don't know. I, I think um, your, your story is is unbelievable. But I, I think one thing that um, whilst you were working my, your way through, I, I kept sort of thinking in my head, well, where where were kind of your your family sort of throughout all of this? Obviously, when you joined the police and then. Obviously, you went off and you were doing the, the snowboarding thing and then going to Berlin. And then so where, where did like family tie into all of this? Have you got siblings? Have you got extended family? Where, where does that all kind of fit in? Yeah, so I've got a, an older brother. Um, so 
fast forward um, to three years ago, four years ago, so it was about 10 years in recovery, he, we were unaware he ruined his second marriage through addiction. So I've since helped my brother come out of it. And so, but he, his using was very different to mine. Mine was, would have been very obvious, but that's why <clears throat> my family, I've got a very close family. Um, I've got both parents. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky there. And I think, you, you know, there's a lot of evidence that states that if you have a father figure that is emotionally or physically unavailable, <clears throat> the chances of a son developing an addiction are higher. Mm. <clears throat> so for me, my dad has always worked nights. Now, he's worked balls up to provide for us. But as a kid, I'm not playing football with my dad. My dad's never around, you know? <laughs> you, you don't understand. Um, and he's quite kind of, he never talks about his emotions and feelings. But I think, um, but he worked He worked throughout, throughout the night. So, you know, he had to do what he, he did to graft the family. And he did well at it. And so I didn't have that physical aspect per se. We never did those those things together um, because he was too tired and naturally. Mm. So it's true in me and my brother's case. Um, I, 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 I don't know about you guys, but mm. yeah. So that, that was that. So there was obviously a few times where it erupted and then I told him I stopped and, you know, all the usual. Yeah. But, that, that's, um, that, that's a powerful, powerful thing about getting um, into recovery as well is that you've found yourself in a situation where you could help your brother because if you haven't got well, there's a chance he might not have either. So it's a beautiful thing, really, isn't it? it is. Absolutely. Yeah. What's, what? but it's, it's interesting, though, because of the dynamic, because you look up to your older brother mm. and for a while... I was struggling with the dynamic because I wasn't looking up to him. I'd become the older brother in a way. Um, yeah. So it was, it was quite, it took a while. So I was just explaining this to my wife, but it took a while for me to really adapt to that. And now he's back to being my older brother again, which is lovely. Yeah. And our relationship is just amazing. And my relationship with his kids who I didn't really know that you know, yeah. now they stay at our house regularly, and, it, and it's lovely. Um, That's beautiful. Mate. So. My, my brother is younger than me, and he, him, and his wife, the second. Um, well, I've got I relapsed loads of times in the past, but the the last major one before I found the the program. Um, if it wasn't for him and his wife, I wouldn't be sat here today. You know, but I did struggle with that as well. I. I, I worried about speaking to my brother for help because I thought no I'm the older brother and, uh, and in reality I look back and I wish I'd done it sooner now <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. but uh, yeah I'm but very it's interesting isn't it it's interesting yeah. that we've got it from different different perspectives yeah.
definitely. I'm very lucky to have a smaller, bigger brother. <laughs> I dropped my phone. I, I, I exited the meeting. <laughs> I don't know what the hell was going on. You're going to do it, do it properly. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in recovery now, but my life's still hectic. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing, you know, like they say, this disease is the only disease to tell you that you don't have a disease. Um, you know, so the denial aspect, but I always say to people that if you love doing something, i.e. drinking, taking cocaine, and you don't have consequences, then would you stop? No, you wouldn't. So the more consequences someone can have um, in their addiction, then, then perhaps you could argue that they might be more receptive or willing to get help. Yeah. So does that mean family giving an ultimatum, um, partners giving an ultimatum? Um, it obviously means not enabling them, certainly financially. Um, but you can only do what you can do. Um, sometimes an intervention. But what I found quite effective is an email or a letter because when you approach that person loved one with um you know asking them to get help the ego kicks in very much right? very much and, and that barrier is put up straight away the ego's there nothing's going in um but when you write an email with love um of that how much is killing me watching you do this all i want is my brother well to be happy um you know, because you're not with him the ego's not presenting yeah so it, it is more chance of it sinking in 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 an addict's head oh they're all tosses you know they don't want to they don't care about me they don't love me it's all about them right it's all about them um but then when we explain ourselves saying i love you and i care about you but i don't want to see you doing this so i'm going to take a step back and when you're ready i'm here for you um you know um it's trial and error do you yeah. feel Nick, that everyone needs a rock bottom i, I feel like i'm trying to prevent people from ha having one um and try and try and do all this to so people don't have to lose everything before they they hit rock bottom um do you feel some people need that rock bottom before they, they help so i kind of look at it as a as going up and down the lift so i find that if the opportunity is there for you to get out on the ground floor mm. take it um because if you do go down to the basement it's not a good place to be um but absolutely, some, some, and the thing is, everyone's rock bottom is different, right? So for someone having only five grand left in their account might be their rock bottom. To mm. so others, having five grand in their account is what they'd wish for in recovery. Yeah. You know? So it, it, it's, it's perception, but um, it's, 
it's got to be as hard hitting as whatever it's got to be in order for that person to get help. And if it's quite mild, great. Um, mm. Of some people, they've got to take a whack. Yeah. And um, also going back to the self-esteem thing and low confidence, I think a lot of addicts struggle with that. And and um, going to a meeting or reaching out takes a lot of that. It takes a lot of courage and it puts a lot of people off going to get the help they need what advice would you give anyone that was probably flirting with the idea but a bit too scared to maybe reach out just yet so i mean they can certainly dip their toe in the zoom meetings um mm. you know as a way of dipping their, their, their toe in but they're gonna have to get out of their comfort zone um you know if they want a chance and if it means if you know someone that's that you know, might be an open meeting where perhaps they can take someone with them for support just to make them feel a bit more comfortable. But the fact is, we as proven, right, we are, are the same. You know, yeah. our heads are as quirky as each other's. Yeah. Um, because so however you're feeling, they did. And and it's not just people in recovery or in addiction. I think everyone struggles with low self-esteem and insecurity. Mm. Um, I don't think these TikTok filters and this, that, and the other are doing yeah. any favours. Um, but I think everyone everyone struggles with it. Some people should struggle worse, or better, you know, some people better dealing with others. But yeah. um, in addiction, I had more front than Brighton, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the fact is, in recovery, we talk about it because we're we're more open, and and we know that you're not going to. If I if I talked about this to my friends, I'd say grow a panic, you know. But you talk yeah. about a recovery lot, then yeah. you share similar experiences. Absolutely. So it, it's the, the, these people will get you. Um, so I think but there are ways that you can dip your toe in. Um, certainly. Mm. Zoom meetings, you know, to start building it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an interesting point you just brought up about the filters and stuff like that. As a father of two daughters, that's something else that worries me as well. Well, that's a whole new topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's 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 the truth. I've got, you know, I've got a son and a daughter, and, and the thing is no one gives us tells us how to to raise them. We just want them to kind of be proud of who they are and confident in who they are but um we can only do what we can i mean she's Absolutely. two so hopefully she's not using tiktok filters yet so, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully hopefully i've got a bit of time on my hands to figure it out but yeah um, but yeah i think the fact is i mean where does it stop you know where does it stop yeah absolutely is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we let you get on with your evening <laughs> No, I think I think we're pretty much covered it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did as well, mate. You're full of wisdom, and I just want to thank you for sharing some of that with us today, mate. I really do appreciate it. That's been really, really, really good, really good. Yeah, thank yeah. You, I, I personally got so much from that, and I know our listeners will as well. So truly, really grateful for that. Thank you, mate. Brilliant. Well, if it helps, while well, we've done a good job, the three of us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be in touch soon. I'd like to do a live if you're up for it. Keep in touch. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks, See guys. You.
Great, this great. mic.